Welcome in, everybody. I am excited to start us off here with the Pick and Roll podcast. That's right. We are going to bring fantasy basketball to you all season long, get you your DFS lineup straightened out, and then, of course, we'll dive into your season-long lineups. We want to offer you everything that you could look for in a fantasy basketball podcast, and we're just going to be talking a lot of hoops. And if you really like basketball, you're going to love this podcast. I mean, welcome to the Pick and Roll podcast. Going on with you, Pick and Roll, young Al Hunter. He in sicko mode. What's going on, Al Hunter? Oh, I like that intro. That's what's up, Steve. (laughs) I'm happy to be back talking hoops with you, and I'm excited to uh, be doing this with Expand the Box Score. It's going to be a great year. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, we've worked together before uh, on a podcast that I won't mention the name right now, but, you know, that's kind of how I uh, started my fantasy basketball podcast resume, if you will, or career. And, you know, you were definitely someone that I wanted to do this with, and, you know, I'm really excited to work with you for expandtheboxscore.com. Really, it's a, an idea that my guy Andy Singleton had. And he has started something really fun with expandtheboxscore.com. Started with college football, essentially. Um, He wanted to track touches. I'm talking about every touch for a player if he wanted to find it. And so him and his team made a model where they can do that. And so that's the kind of, you know, dedication that you're going to get from expandtheboxscore.com. So really excited to work with them. We got a lot of great stuff coming for you for the basketball season. You know, being able to track very specific stats is important to us, right, Al? I mean, we're always looking to uh, find the edge when it comes to someone's usage or, you know, something we talked about, actually, that's very relevant to fantasy basketball would be a way that we can track stats of a player when maybe one of the stars is sitting out. Yeah, going forward, I think Andy's going to have it set up and we're going to have every stat possible, you know, off and on, you know, every situation for every team. That's the plan. And, um, and that's what matters most in season-long in DFS, you know, it's the situations because not every night you have your full roster, you know what I mean? Some nights your stars are going to be on, the backup guys are going to be in, and that's where it all comes in is how their rates change when those players are on and off the floor. So, yeah, not just me and Steve, but we have a great team going forward, and we got big things coming. Most of. Yeah, no, like you said, it's situational. Uh, you got to be paying attention or else you're not going to succeed in fantasy basketball. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to get into uh, some of the new faces and new places uh, for the Eastern Conference today. Next episode, we're going to do the Western Conference, but today we're going to keep it East. Uh, You know, myself and how we're from the East Coast, so uh, kind of fitting for our first episode here. But before we get into that, Vince is back, baby. Now, off air, we were talking about Vince Carter, one of the best dunkers of all time, and we decided, you know, me and Al, undisputedly, he is a top five dunker of all time. I don't know where I would rank him. He's probably two or three for me. It's close, but easily top five. Easily top five. He could be the best. And he exactly, exactly. Yeah. He's yeah. not five. He's definitely not five. He's he's probably top three. But we have to talk about our favorite Vince Carter dunks. I'll, I'll toss it up to you. What is one of your favorite Vince Carter dunks? It's cliche, but my favorite is obviously the uh, 2000 Olympic one when the U.S. were playing France and he, the guy was 7'2". Fred Wise. I think oh, that's, wow. That's yeah, a name, Fred, huh? yeah, I think that's his name. He was 7'2", and uh, Vince just went right over the top of him. He got him perfectly. And um, I remember I was reading some quotes earlier about it, and uh, 
Vince was saying he was never able to actually hop over someone. He always tried in practice, and then he said he doesn't think he could ever do that again. But I think that's easily his best ever, and that's arguably the best dunk ever. 100%. Yeah, a lot of his dunks are arguably one of the best dunks ever. Just because you know, when he came into the league, I mean, it was just like every game. It was every game in 1999, that, and that was the lockout year. That was his rookie year. So every game, I'm telling you, there was a Vince Carter highlight, and it just came down to a game of, like, what's your favorite one? So, you know, the one, one thing I always look at with that video, man, is, man, KG almost – or he almost oh, knocked yeah. out KG. <laughs> yeah, dude, KG comes right in to get him pumped up. I love that. <laughs> and Vince almost hits him accidentally, right? Oh, like, yeah, very yeah. Close. Oh, yeah, he's so jacked up. He's, like, throwing fists. Yeah, most definitely. So, you know, what cool thing about, you know, we were talking about Vince, like, man, he actually has been elite for a long time. I mean, this is going to be his 22nd season. The Hawks just signed him, which is awesome for his 22nd season. They bringing him back for another year. So it's still going to be kind of confusing in fantasy basketball with that small forward position for the Hawks, as far as I'm concerned. It gets a little clearer, but, you know, Vince Carter is back for another season. And my favorite dunk of all time from him, was definitely the one against the Pacers. His rookie year, driving by Chris Mullen, which is crazy that he was actually in the league the same time as Chris Mullen. Gets by him on the baseline, comes up, double pumps around the rim for a reverse on the backside. Unbelievable dunk. Just surprised everyone in the building. An unbelievable, just, you know, underrated dunk, I feel like, for him. But I was actually watching a YouTube video. He was actually listening off his top ten. That's actually his second favorite dunk. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So what, what, is, what is another one for you, man? Uh, another one for me is in uh, 05, his uh, Tomahawk over Alonzo Mourning in Miami. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love uh, – the best part about it, too, is how he's right out on the arc and he puts it behind his back, fakes him, and then just boom, you know. Alonzo goes right up, like, trying to block it, and it's almost like he gets it right over his end. Yeah, that hang time was silly. Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable that he actually, like, came back and slammed it. You know, it wasn't like one of those dunks where you throw it in. He actually slammed it. That's right. Yeah, yeah that was that, – that His a lot of his dunks were vicious like that, especially this one. The One, one of my favorites also is uh, against the Clippers. And Charles Oakley, on a fast break, throws it up to D. Brown, another great dunker. Oh. You're very familiar with from the Celtics days, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so Charles Oakley to D. Brown – throws it pretty much half court to Vince. And Vince is, I mean, he's just waiting there in the air for the pass, catches it with one hand, and throws it down harder than most dudes could throw down with two hands. I mean, it was really something, especially on a fast break like that. You just don't expect it. You know, I always compared Vince all around, really, to Dominique Wilkins. Really wasn't much of a jump shooter, but just those ferocious dunks, man. So we'll get to see Vince again. Maybe he'll give us one more dunk by the time he retires. And back to what you're saying, this will be his 22nd season, and which is the most in NBA history. He breaks a tie with Dirk, KG, Kevin Willis, and Robert Parrish. So let's get into some of these uh, different faces now. And we're going to start off with the Hornets. So the Hornets, obviously, Kemba's gone, right? So who fills in the shoes of Kemba this season? Well, it's going to be scary Terry himself. It's going to be Terry Rozier. And I know we're both excited about that, Al. I mean, obviously, you're a big Celtics fan. Your boy, Terry Rozier, is walking into the starting point guard role for the Hornets. Yeah, I mean, he got what he wanted. He got the good deal. He's making $19 million a year. His usage is going to be exactly what he wanted. That lineup's awful when you look around it. I mean, Jeremy Lamb's gone now, too. It's going to be all about Terry and um, Bridges. And um, if you look back to last year, Terry was always good when Kyrie was out. 
He averaged 30.21 DK points per game with 30.1 minutes per game in the 14 games without Kyrie. And he started in every single one of those games. And I don't have it on him, but I think they were like, I don't know, 11-3 and three in those games. They had a very winning record. So, I mean, I'm not expecting the Hornets to be a winning team, but Terry's definitely going to get his numbers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he made 153 three-pointers last season. That's a lot for being in that reserve role. So I mean, his shooting percentage was awful last year, though. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 30, well, I mean, 39% from the field, you know, in, in total. I mean, his three-point percentage was better, 38. That's, yeah. that's more what you want. But it's crazy the deal he actually got because he actually kind of hurt himself this year. His ego on the way kind of showed that he could be a problem, and I'm surprised he got the money he got. Like, good for him. I mean, I love Terry, so. Yeah, most definitely. Scary Terry, obviously one of the best nicknames in the league. So what do you project for him out for, you know, let's say season long? I mean, obviously in DFS, you got to look to play him. He might get a little expensive. Obviously, you liked his price last year on DraftKings most of the time coming into that, like, you know, filling in role. But what can you project for him? I mean, is he going to be an elite point guard? I mean, yeah, like you said last year, he was a plug and play when he was starting. It's just the way it was. He can do it, but I don't know if he's going to be like an elite fantasy point guard. He's going to put up numbers, but like I could see him averaging like 18 points a game, seven dimes, which is pretty good, but I don't, I wouldn't put him in like the top tier or something like that. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at their lineup and it's like, who else can really handle the ball? You know, he's the only one. I mean, you got Batum, who's like a facilitator, but he's not by no means a ball handler. I think we're going to see a big year for Miles Bridges. I think we're going to see a big jump for him. But again, still not really a ball handler like that. He's probably the only other player on that team that can kind of get a bucket by himself, though. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. This Their projected starting lineup is Terry, Batum at the two, Dwayne Bacon at the three, Miles Bridges at the four, and Cody Zeller. I mean, that's got to be one of the worst fives in the league. <laughs> Exactly, and that, yeah. might pay, that might pay off for Rozier. Uh, He's going to get a lot of that. Oh, it pays into his favor uh, fantasy-wise. It's just going to be garbage, man. Will his ADP rise after this season coming up? Like, we're going to see him in the starting role all year long. Will he play well enough to make his ADP rise for, let's say, 2019, 2020? I don't know. It will be interesting to see how Terry does with this whole new role, but considering his contract, they should give him all those minutes. Yeah, I mean, his ADP will obviously rise after this year, but I don't know how much. Got it. Yeah, yeah. My point is there, like, is that I think that this year you can get a good value on him. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. I think you can. And and so, you know, he's definitely somebody that, like, if you're going, you know, you want to go a center in the first round of your season-long lineups, you can always, you know, wait on Terry Rozier as your starting point guard. uh, Yeah, for sure. That third, fourth round. Yeah, if you want to, like, attack the front court first, you know yeah. what I mean? If you, like, draft Giannis and then you get, like, Cat and you and you got to go low on the guards, I mean, Terry's a fine guy to get, yeah. Definitely. So another guy who's going to find himself in the starting role is Malcolm Brogdon. So the Pacers signed him, and then, uh, oh, man, why am I running a, a blank on who retired from UCLA? What's his Darren, name? Darren Collison. Darren Collison just retired. I mean, I was really unexpected for him to retire. I thought he had a little bit left in the tank. Um, I, I would argue most would think so. You know, he played decent last year. I don't know if you read into it. He actually, like, retired. I don't know if this is, like, the full reason, but to be a Jehovah's yeah. Witness. Oh, wow. I didn't hear yeah. that. <laughs> like, yeah. Something, like, something about, like, yeah, something about religion. Yeah. Wow. Again, and, I, and I think he's only 31, right? Yeah, he's it's, young, man. He's yeah, really no, it's, cra- it's crazy. I don't get it. No, definitely. Yeah, no, that, that was definitely unexpected. But now Malcolm Brogdon, you know, they, the Pacers signed him. He's going to be the starter there. And another lineup that isn't really, uh, you know, very impressive on paper 
do you think that's going to play in the Brogdon? I mean, I know he's more of a facilitator. He doesn't really have a lot of scoring around him. Yeah, I, no, I think Brogdon's definitely a good buy. I think he's a good buy. If you're talking season long, I think him and Terry are kind of in the same like area that I would draft them. Because, I mean, Terry Kevins got suspended. And then uh, Darren right. Collison retired, like you said. And Victor Oladipo's not going to be back with the ruptured quad. So, I mean, Brogdon's going to – yeah, he's not a scorer like we were talking about with like someone like Rozier, but he's someone that fills up the stat sheet in other categories. And he's also a great defender. So, I mean, he's going to be racking up steals. And so I, I definitely think Brogdon is worth, I don't know, seventh, eighth round pick maybe. Can he be like a 15 and six and seven guy? Like he can, he can be the guy that gets like 15, six and six, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like he was always good in the games that on the box without Bledsoe. So, right. I mean, it, Brogdon will, yeah, I definitely, I definitely can get behind Brogdon now. And he's definitely, you know, he's a good defender too, so he can get you some steals, especially with the minutes he's projected to get. I would imagine he's going to get around 30, 35 minutes a game. Oh, he has to, yeah. With all yeah. those guys gone, yeah. Until Depot's back, he has to play those minutes. Yeah, so he's definitely, you should view him as a volume play. Um, and yeah. I, I think that he's going to be great value because he's not like a sexy name. He's not in a sexy situation necessarily. I mean, he is for fantasy basketball, like being the starting point guard. We're obviously happy about that. But a lot of people, I think, you know, aren't going to really be jumping at Malcolm Brogdon in your drafts. Probably someone you can get pretty cheap. You know, another guy that, hey, if you want to attack that front court, uh, he's a good option for point guard. In this new role with Indy, he should get you 30-plus points, fantasy points. 100%. I agree. Yeah. No, he's going to be a great play in DFS. Uh, so I'm definitely excited about Mac Malcolm Brogdon in this. Another guy the Pacers got is uh, TJ Warren they traded for. Right. Yeah, he was always good with the Suns, but – as I was just kind of talking about with the Hornets and Terry, it was kind of – it might have been like a really bad garbage situation. So, I don't know how that's going to transition to going with Indy. But last year with Phoenix, uh, TJ Warren averaged 28.8 DK points per game, which is great. And he had ceiling games above 40. It'll be interesting to see how he does under McMillan. I always viewed TJ uh, Warren as like a poor man's Blake Griffin. Kind of, He, he yeah. can <laughs> the points and the rebounds, but like he's not going to like do much else for you. I think Brogdon can, can work with him in that, that pick and roll. Like, you know, he's more of a pick and pop type of guy from the elbow. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So that could be some good, uh, easy assist for Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to some of these superstars here, man. Um, I mean, look, I think that a lot of people would disagree with this. Not a lot of people like Jimmy Butler these days, but hey, he's one of my favorite players. And just from a player standpoint, I think he's kind of the prototypical two guard that you want on your team. A lot of people think he's selfish. Yeah, sure. Uh, but he still knows how to play basketball at the end of the day. And he can still get you the assists. Um, he's still a guy that can get you four or five assists. And that's all you really want when he's getting you 20-plus points. So now he finishes – or he, he ends up with the Miami Heat. And this is an interesting team. Um, you know, it's going to be – like, I, I, I picture the meme of, like, the Spider-Man uh, pointing at each other. It's like Dion Waiters and Jimmy Butler. Like, both yeah. of these guys are just ISO players. They're going to want the ball a lot. Like, oh, fighting over it. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're going to be both projected in the starting lineup, actually. I mean, Dion Waiters, in the short time that he played last year, actually was good. Um, I think that, you know, not a lot of people are thinking about Dion Waiters. But what do you project for Jimmy Butler? I mean, is – I think it's a better situation for fantasy than with the Sixers last year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he should have a career year. This is what he wanted. He's going to get that massive role, even with someone at, like Deion Waiters asking for the ball. You know what I mean? Jimmy, it's going to be the Jimmy Butler show. It has to be. And, um, I mean, he should be 40-plus a night at least. 
Yeah, so you're you're projecting him out to 40-plus a night. So, I mean, he really shouldn't leave the second round based on those kind of stats. I mean, and in season long, he really shouldn't leave the second round. Yeah, yeah, if you trust him not getting hurt for sure. Yeah, you should be exactly. Yeah, and right. And, you know, we, we understand that Jimmy is kind of uh, egocentric that, you know, a little injury or maybe just some, like, weight, you know, um, management, some load management. Um, I forgot the term for a little bit. You know, he, he might be, term. he might be more inclined to sit some games out. So, yeah, that, that could be frustrating for sure. But I think he's a superstar kind of player that you definitely want in your lineup. I would say he's on, like, the same level as, like, Bradley Beal. Right, right. You know I mean, yeah. they're both – I mean, the Heat are going to be better than the Wizards, but I feel like it's going to be similar type usage and kind of numbers. That's what I'm expecting out of Jimmy Butler in Miami. Most definitely. And, you know, you got Dragic around him that, uh, that can make plays for him. Justice Winslow is actually projected to be the backup point guard, which I am really into, actually, from a Justice Winslow perspective. Like, he might be a nice, like, later round pick for you. He's going to get good minutes. They want to use Justice Winslow. He played very well last year. I think he's the kind of guy who, you know, you want that, like, point forward in your lineup because you can get, you know, the, the steals, the rebounds, along with the assist that he's going to give you. Um, so I actually like Justice Winslow going into this year uh, in that role. Winslow's tough to read. He's so unpredictable. He could go off and then he could get you nothing. But I agree with you. He's a good by low this year. Yeah, I mean, especially with Drogic, like, you know, we know the injury history there. If he's hurt, Winslow steps into that starting point guard role and then you got yourself great value. Um, yeah, the guy, the guy from the Heat that I want this year is Bam. Bam, <laughs> dude, I was just going to bring him up, man. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with uh, Whiteside going to Portland, this is his time to shine. He's going to be the starting center. And um, in the 10 games he started for Whiteside last year, he averaged 30.1 DK points per game. He was a plug-and-play, just like we were talking about with Terry Rozier when he started. So I think Bam is definitely someone who – I could see him being a top 20 fantasy center this year. I'm right there with you, and I think the value is unreal, where people are going to spend up for Clint Capella and players like that. You could just wait on somebody like Bam who's going to oh, yeah. produce just as much. Exactly, yeah. Bam is – I love Bam this year. I'm so excited to see how he does in this bigger role. He has actually been um, – I, I saw on Twitter, man, he's been working with some of the Drew Hanlon guys. Like, he's been working out with Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum and those guys. Yeah, yeah. I saw the clips from um, – because Bam's doing the U.S. team. I saw the right. clips of him working out with Tatum and Jalen Brown. I mean, it all – it's all different once they start playing five-on-five, but – uh Bam looks like he got some more moves this year in the post. <laughs> I was noticing that, and he has yeah. the nice little fadeaway, you know, like he has touch from the outside, actually. Yeah, his game looks to be expanding. Maybe he'll start shooting threes this year. I mean, that's wishful oh, thinking. Man. Oh, man. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, look, hey, that's, you know, if you see him, like that range expanding, yeah, that's definitely an outcome um, for Bam. But, you know, you know, we like a dynamic player in fantasy basketball, and he is – looking to be that uh so yeah i think it's wheels up for them i think that's the most value you're going to get from this miami heat team absolutely uh, so yeah again so like if you wanted to you don't want too many heat on your team and you're like ah i don't i could get jimmy butler maybe just wait and get somebody like them you can get a good point guard in that second round and not have to worry about your center for a little while there yeah um, if you want to if you want to start like guard guard you know wait on them Bam's Bam's like the value of the fantasy drafts this year i feel like 100 i'm with you there so let's talk about your Celtics, um, Kemba. What do we expect from Kemba? Better or worse than Kyrie this past season? Fantasy-wise, I think he's going to be similar to what Kyrie did. But, I mean, from the real basketball standpoint, I think, I mean, it's going to be completely different. He's a completely right. different mentality. I think, I think it's going to work perfectly, uh, Brad Stevens. 
he's going to come right, right out of the game meshing better with the younger guys. From fantasy-wise, yeah, I, I think he's going to have a pretty good year. I wouldn't expect exactly what he did in Charlotte last year. I mean, right. that, was, that was a career year. And you know yes. what I mean? There's more mouths to feed in Boston now. Like Tatum's going to have a bigger role. Jalen Brown's going to have a bigger role. So it's going to be different, but I, I, I definitely think Kemba's going to be a great pick. Most definitely. Yeah, I think we can't expect what he did last year, right? I can't see it. I, right. This, and the Celtics kind of run like the Spurs do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't expect like last year, but Kemba's still going to be great. I think him and Marcus Smart are going to be great together. I love that combo. Oh, absolutely. The thing is, like, I'm putting Kemba right into Kyrie's role with the Celtics. You know what I mean? I'm going to – they almost had the same exact usage and assist percentages last year. So, I'm basically just going to put him in that role with Marcus Morris leaving and Al Horford leaving and Aaron Baines and uh, Yabusele, even though he kind of doesn't really matter. Um, The guy that that sees the biggest increase is Jalen. When those uh, four guys were off the floor, Jalen Brown saw his usage go up 5.3%. And Jason Tatum saw his usage go up 3.4%. So just like Danny Ainge is planning, I think these two wings, these two young wings are going to have much bigger years. And I could see one of them making an all-star team. I don't know about both, but I could, all-star numbers are coming from, I think, one of them at least. And I'm, I'm going with Jason Tatum on that. Well, both of those players, Tatum and Brown, were disappointing for fantasy last year. If you Oh, absolutely, them. yeah. And that's, and that's a good point probably was because of Kyrie. I mean, the, the ball handling, you know, or ball hogging that Kyrie does at times, it takes players like Brown and Tatum out of the game. So I think that we're going to see some post-hype candidates here in Tatum and Brown where people that were burned by them last year, especially Jalen Brown, is going to fly under the radar in, in season-long drafts. Tatum's going to be the sexy pick. But Jay, right. like, I, like I told you, Jalen's the one actually, by the numbers, he's the one that sees the biggest usage bump. So, I mean, right. Jalen's definitely a great later round flyer definitely the, I think Jalen Brown has uh he's been working hard this offseason I mean he was one of those guys in that video that we were talking about and uh, another guy who's just developing his game you know and expanding it from, you know the post moves the fadeaways uh working from the triple threat he's becoming more dynamic scorer and unfortunately I mean I think Jalen Brown was one of the most effective ones by Kyrie Irving I, yeah. I think I think he was one of the ones whose game got affected the most on that Both. team Physically and mentally, right? Yeah, Jalen just – I mean, there was times he shined, but I really think Kyrie's – nobody likes me pointing the finger right at Kyrie, but I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I really think he affected him last year. And, I mean, by the numbers, the one that he affected the most, though, was Gordon Hayward. Everyone likes to blame the injury or him being tentative or being scared, you know what I mean, from that gruesome injury. But the truth is, Hayward was great when Kyrie didn't play. Um, he scored seven more DK points per game in the 13 games without Kyrie Irving. I mean, that's dramatic. Definitely. So, so in another year of being healthy, I think Hayward's also a super great by low guy because nobody's going to want him after last year. I mean, he looked, he looked awful. And the point is, right. he's going to be even after Jalen. But he's definitely someone that has great upside considering Kyrie's gone. So another guy on the Celtics, before we move on, uh, is Enos, Enos Cantor. And, you know, I actually like what Cantor does for your team. I mean, because you're not going to have to pay a big price for him um, in season long. Um, we'll see what happens with his, his draft kings and fan pricing 
uh, as the season goes. But as of right now, like I'm viewing him as the starter for this team. And that is big value, especially when you have players like Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, shooters, right? And we all know that Ennis Cantor is a great offensive rebounder. So I think there's just a lot of opportunity there for him to clean up if he's going to be the starter. He will split time with Robert Williams, but he's still a double-double kind of guy. He had 39 double-doubles last year in 71 games. Uh, that was top 15 in the league. And we all know that that any games that he played for the Knicks was just a fiasco anyway. So you can't really count a lot of those games. So I, I really think there's big upside for Ennis Cantor. Like, he's projected to be the starting center, but it's not positive yet. We don't know exactly. I right. mean, he, they could start Robert Williams or Daniel Tice. But either way, Cantor's going to see more than 20 minutes a game. And right with that, that makes him viable. Every time he got healthy minutes, he produces fantasy-wise. Last year, he averaged 1.13 DK points per game. Um, sorry, DK points per minute. So anytime he plays 25-plus, 20-plus, he's going to produce. And like you said, he's a double-double machine. Right, yeah, he's definitely one of those efficient guys uh, with the minutes that he gets. Um, but, yeah, you're right. You know, they have some good talent there in the center position. I actually like Daniel Tice. I think he's a good player. <laughs> I think he's really good. So they really um, – you know, uh, with Baines, he was very expendable. So they were able to get rid of Baines and uh, have still three pretty good centers. Yeah, I mean, with Robert Williams, Cantor, and Tice, they're all very good fancy producers. So whoever gets the biggest role is definitely valuable. And the other, the other way to look at this is, though, the Celtics are going to be bad defensively inside without Horford. Right. And, uh, and, like, say if Cantor's their starting center or Cantor's their main center or main big, that is. I mean, they're just going to get eaten inside, man. I mean, we have good weight. The Celtics have good wing defenders, but it's scary to think what could happen to like when they're playing AD or someone like that. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, Cantor. I mean, Cantor's one of the worst pick and roll defenders in the NBA, if not. Oh, he's gonna, yeah, he's going to be definitely a liability. So they're going. That's why he's not going to get you know thirty plus minutes. Yeah, that's he just point. he just can't do it. You right. know I mean? They 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 just can't do it. His defensive rating when he's on the floor is just terrible. That's 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 what scares me, but. Do you see uh, uh, minutes for Taco defensively if, because there's just no – I mean, Robert Williams, I think, is their, of the three that we talked about is the best defender. But do you think that Taco could get some minutes or earn some minutes because of his defense? Uh, yeah, I mean – yeah, we didn't even mention Taco. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, um, like, we just named those three guys. Taco's going to be the fourth on the line. It's going to be interesting to see how Brad Stevens manages his Taco. Like, is he going to keep him in main the whole time? Is he actually going to bring him up and test him out? I could see Taco actually coming into play pretty early. Like I said, I think they're going to be very weak inside defensively, and I, the best thing to do when someone's a team's weak inside, you got to try different bodies. And I think right. they'll, I think they'll throw Taco out there. And if he does, I mean, he's going to be fantasy relevant easily. The guy, 100%. yeah, it only takes one injury of the the three that we just yeah, mentioned. exactly. Really come in. I mean, look at Cancer last year in the playoffs. What was it? His shoulder. I mean, anything right. can happen. And um. Taco's going to be – I mean, I don't have the stats on hand because he hasn't played an NBA game, but he's going to be easily over a point per minute fantasy buzz. Oh, yeah, just the blocks alone. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. And he, he's such a great runner for his size. I don't want right. to hype him up because I don't think he's going to explode or anything, but right. he, he will definitely be viable if he's playing. If we get an indication that he's playing due to an injury or just a rotation note or something, he's, he's definitely viable. And he's another guy. He was working out with Joel Embiid, uh, you know, the, that trainer, Drew Hanlon, uh, who I, I love to follow on Twitter. Uh, he's just a great, great trainer, works with a lot of guys. Bradley Beal, a lot of great guys in the league. Zach Levine, uh, and he also works with Joel Embiid, and they have 
Tonko is getting the best experience he possibly can this offseason working with Embiid. So, he's uh, working with Embiid? Yeah, yeah, wow. he is. Yeah, wow. he's, he's under Drew Hanlon. Um, so That's they, awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, he's essentially practicing the similar type of moves that Embiid is, is doing on a daily basis. Well, I mean, when it comes to a pure center, there's nobody else you want to match up with than Embiid. He, he's the cream of the crop. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's essentially the modern-day Hakeem, but with yeah, the, exactly. the, the power that, that Hakeem didn't really have. So last one here, unless you have any more, Alan, then, you know, after, after this we'll just talk about whoever, but it's Kyrie. You know, we mentioned him, obviously. He is going to be the starter in Brooklyn. No more D'Angelo Russell. KD, obviously, is not going to play this season. Uh, so it's the Kyrie show in Brooklyn. What can we expect from Kyrie this season? Is it going to be similar to what we saw with the Celtics? Uh, yeah, I have to expect the same type of usage and the same type of numbers. Um, the only thing that worries me with Kyrie is Kenny Atkinson likes to – like you saw with like D-loading and um, Spencer Dinwiddie last year. Like he goes with the hot hand. He does. You know what I mean? He doesn't really care what your name is. And like if Dinwiddie's playing better than Kyrie, you know what I mean? They might split minutes that game and Dinwiddie might close the game. I know that might sound crazy, but, like, they did it to D'Angelo Russell all the time. I mean, there would be times that D'Angelo Russell wouldn't, wouldn't play over 20 minutes in the game. And I'm not saying Kyrie's going to do that, but there's going to be times that I think it's going to be frustrating for Kyrie. But when he gets his minutes, he's going to eat. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be very interesting because, obviously, the ego of Kyrie once, you know, you're, you think from, like, uh, just face value that that is going to kind of, like, mess with him or he'll be upset that he'll be pulled. But he's also the guy that is – first to want to sit out too right so like, yeah, exactly. kind of like playing into him like which which is it and it's probably because it'll be he'll be upset because it won't be up to him you know what I mean exactly yeah no it's definitely gonna be interesting because and I mean there's a bunch of guys Levert there's gonna be a bunch of guys that could possibly steal usage from Kyrie but he should he should have similar numbers to last year yeah yeah and I think that it's obviously he's not a big assist guy so that's never anything that you look for for Kyrie it's really just the scoring I mean occasionally he'll get you you know he'll fill up the stat sheet for you uh do you see that happening with Brooklyn like is he going to be a guy that can fill up the stat sheet I mean sometimes he would do it last year with the Celtics because he had such a good supporting cast um they have some shooters there in Brooklyn I mean how do you view his uh his fantasy production overall is it really just coming from the points I mean without KD, would you say the Nets remaining roster is better than what the Celtics counterparts? I wouldn't. Last year, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I I would not. Like I said, I like LeVert. Adding DeAndre Jordan is nice, but he's not going to be getting you assists unless they're oops. Right. And then Dinwiddie is nice, but, like, he's not really a shooter. Yeah, like like you said, I don't know if the assists are going to be up, but Kyrie's going to be getting his shots. For sure. And I think that he's, you know, he's definitely a solid option for you at point guard. I just would prefer a different option if I could get it. Um, I think that there's value later on, like Terry Rozier, for instance. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I, I mean, I wouldn't say Terry's going to be that far off fantasy-wise compared to Kyrie. I really don't. I mean. Exactly. No. And yeah. You've got, you got to be a premium for Kyrie, and you don't have to do that with Terry. So it, it kind of makes sense to go that route, right? I mean. And who knows how this really pans out? I mean, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? It, like Kyrie wanted to be a leader in Boston and what would happen with that. I'll but, tell you who I'll take over Kyrie and you're going to get for way cheaper is, uh, is Trey Young. Yeah. Exa- oh, I'm def- I would way rather have Trey Young. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I just would. I would. Earlier. Yeah. I mean, look, compared to like injury concerns, I mean, you have Trey, you have to go with Trey Young. And you have to expect, you know, 
even better three-point shooting or more three-point three-pointers made this year than last year for for a guy like Trey Young. So, I mean, yeah. let's be let's be real. Kyrie's going to set out every game versus Boston, so there's four already. So <laughs> there you yeah. go. But one guy, I think Levert is a, definitely a guy that you could get in later round. That's going to be great. In his final five, point too. yeah, in uh, his final five games of the year, he averaged 33 and a half fantasy points per game. And those are in the playoffs. And that's when Kenny Atkinson finally decided to give him a bigger role. And I actually think he started in the last one. But either way, he played over 30 minutes in all those games. And I mean, they have to do that now, even though Kyrie's there to take shots from I think Levert's going to have a great year. No, and to your point, that's very sneaky because, like, we know Kyrie's not going to play in a lot of games. Yeah. It's going to eat all that usage up. Yeah, him and Dinwiddie are going to be the main beneficiaries from that. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, I'm passing up Kyrie, and I'm taking those guys later. Like, that's just how I'm looking at it, you know. I, I would take, like, a Trey Young and pair him with a Levert over buying Kyrie at his, at his ADP. And another thing is, too, if you want to keep going with guards early or whatever, I don't mind DeAndre Jordan as a late steal. Yeah. I don't know how they'll manage him, like, rest-wise, because last year was interesting with the Knicks. You know what I mean? They were tanking and stuff. But, sure. I mean, but, I mean, when he was with Dallas, he averaged 32.8 DK points per game. So, and they, they actually thought they had a chance to make the playoffs before they traded him. And the Nets are going for it. So. They're definitely going for it. You know, he's going to split time with Jared Allen, I, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the other thing. Jared Allen comes into a play, but I don't mind taking a risk on DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, for sure. Any other teams, anything else we didn't mention uh, that you can think of? The Knicks? <laughs> They're going to be interesting to see how, like, Julius Randle works out. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think Julius Randle is going to be nice. Uh, I'm really excited for Robinson, obviously, this year. That, that, that's the problem, though. I mean, like, you got excited about getting Katie and Kyrie to pair to make a trio with Mitch Robinson, who's, like, up and coming or whatever. And now, instead of getting, like, garden stuff, they get Bobby Portis, Julius Randle. And Marcus Morris, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, shit, what's going to happen to Mitchell Robinson now? Right. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Portis was always a guy that I would be interested in DFS. I, I think, you know, you can probably still have those nights in DFS with Bobby Portis. I think Julius is a guy, you know, look, last year he had some great games. And I can't see him slowing down this year. So as long as he's getting, you know, as long as he's healthy, Julius Randle is a smash uh, wherever he's at in drafts. The only thing that will hold him back is David Fisdale because David Fisdale and his rotations are just – sometimes they're just a headache and they don't make any sense. Right. But, but if he's fully committed to Julius Randle being his main player and developing R.J. Barrett – but, I mean, if Julius Randle plays over 30 minutes, he's a lock. He always will be and he always has. Yeah, you can't assume logical coaching in fantasy basketball. You cannot assume logical coaching with the Knicks. You just can't. <laughs> exactly. You literally cannot. You can't. Trusting the Knicks on a DFS night is scary. <laughs> Agreed completely. They, they've kind of sifted out, like, their point guards a little bit. Like, I think Dennis Smith Jr. is nice. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, they do still have a few guards there that really is, is still too jumbled up for me to really buy on. And now, um, they got, now they got Alfred Payton. So, it's like they got DSJ and Alfred. And, then, I mean, Frank uh, – you know, tequila, as I say, he's still there, right? Oh man, you're yeah. right. It actually is is still just as confusing as last year. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty clogged up. Like if they actually try, if they actually try to win games, their important players will be fantasy relevant. But if they want to keep taking and you know get ready to pitch at Giannis in uh, free agency in two years or whatever, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think Mitchell is definitely the play there uh, for for season long. 
And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And then if you can get R.J. Barrett, if he slips a little bit um, in, in drafts, I think he's 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 fine. Um, Alonzo Trier is interesting to me. I like him as a player, but again, it's just so jumbled up with the guards. I just really don't know how they're going to use him. I like him a lot as a player. He's just still someone you should keep on your radar um, because, like, if one injury – um, you know, happens. I mean, it puts him in a position. But um, right now, like I said, the guard situation is just very jumbled up. It seems like their front court's a little bit clear. Marcus Morris has to play Alonzo Tears Merritt, don't you think? Right. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, no, yeah he's going to start. I feel like Morris is going to start. Yeah, he has to. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, all in all, the Knicks are a headache again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because you're going to have – if he starts, with if Morris starts, that means that Julius is going to play the three – yeah, no, then, so, no, Mook will play the three. Julius will play four, and Mitchell will play five. Don't you think? Oh, okay. Oh, so they'll put Morris at the at the three. Yeah, I, I think I think they would do that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Either way, there's not a lot of like good ball handling there. You don't. It's going to be very like front heavy on that lineup. So, um, yeah. I, I think that just plays into Mitchell Robinson, honestly. Yeah, um, and then the other team. I mean, it's Philly. They got at Horford and uh, Josh Richardson. Yeah, no, Josh Richardson, uh, I think, you know, he kind of steps into, you know, the role that Jimmy Butler was in, essentially. So, I think there's a lot for that. You know, J.J. Redick is gone, right? So, that that really is nice for – I think Josh Richardson is a good play. Um, you know, not, not a lot of people are going to, like – you're not going to have to pay a lot for Josh Richardson. No, and he should play heavy – he should get heavy playing time with this team. I mean, yeah. they're going to they're gonna need him. But it's going to be interesting to see how this affects – um, Simmons and Tobias Harris because with Jimmy Butler gone I mean Simmons and Tobias Harris had to become like more of scorers right and um, even though Horford comes in and everyone might think that might hurt Embiid's numbers or something just because they're clogging the paint I don't think it's going to affect him at all Horford's become I mean he's still a great defender and great passer and all the intangibles but he's not really that great of a rebounder anymore I mean I think his re- I think his rebounding stats have decreased like every year I think, I think there's still value with Horford like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying – I just think it's – I don't think it affects Embiid at all. No, I agree yeah, with you. Surprise, yeah. I agree with you. I think, you know, both can be standalone value because what I view Horford as, like, yeah, he's going to be the starting power forward. But as soon as Embiid hits the bench, Horford slides into that center role uh, probably before he gets to the bench. Yeah, so yeah. For sure. Kind of act as the, the center when Embiid's on the bench. And then, you know, so that, there's some nice value there for Horford. Um, to buy, like you said, Tobias and, and Ben – are going to have to score a little bit more. Ben Simmons, look, he's been working on his jump shot. And I think if he just gets that, like, monkey off of his back and makes a couple outside jumpers, you know, and he gets that rhythm going, he can surprise some people. I think Ben Simmons is going to be nice for you, um, more so in the scoring department this year, to your point. You think he's going to shoot, try to shoot threes? I think that he will, yeah, because they, <laughs> lose, they lose J.J. Redick. And so they don't really have a lot of three-point shooting. They lose Jimmy. They lose J.J. Uh, so that's really – you know, they have – who are their three-point shooters now? Yeah, they got Tobias. They got Richardson. And um, I mean, Al can get out there. Sure, sure. Yeah, they're going to want – But they definitely take a hit when in, in that department. I mean, J.J. Redick was huge in their offense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they play. But but on paper, they look very scary defensively. They, yes. have, they have so much length. Uh, yes. I mean, last year they were top five in defensive uh, efficiency anyways. I'm, I'm not going to want to target against them now. I would say I would say Ben. I don't. I don't have it in front of me. Ben Simmons' uh, three-point attempts, but I would say they double next season. All right. Yeah. Let me let me pull it up real quick. Let me pull it up before we get out of here. Uh, let's see. Ben Simmons' three-point attempts. I mean, uh, I, mean I, I think he. I think the only ones he attempted were like half quarters, right? 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, like he didn't make any all year, so yeah, I, he, I, didn't, he didn't make one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have. Okay, so double is kind of not like really a, a hot take. Uh, <laughs> no, either, either way, you're saying Ben Simmons is going to expand his shooting. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that he's gonna get like something like. What's the over under for Ben Simmons three point attempts this year? Is it twenty? Is it twenty? How because about how about over under in uh, Ben Simmons three point makes? I'm I'm gonna say that he's going to give you 30-plus makes. I'm going to say he's going to give you 30-plus three-point makes, which, look, that's not even going to, like, help you in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. So, really, scratch that. Even if he makes 35 three-pointers, what does that do for you? I mean, <laughs> he's going to have to have, like, some sort of, you know, player character change this year uh, to shoot threes like that. But I'm just saying, if you watch his video in the offseason right now, his shot is more fluent, and he's shooting a lot of threes. So I don't know why he would be doing that if he didn't want to do that in the games. So I think we're going to really see it. I can't see all of a sudden Ben Simmons just, just like, got a new shot this year. I'm it's just not fair. buying it. I'm not buying it. You buy it, I'm selling. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Look, and, and I'm not guaranteeing any of that, but I just think that we're going to see more. Because where is it going to come from? Like I said, where is the three-point shooting going to come from? They need someone to fill that role. And I think he's going to try to. I think Tobias Harris gets, you know, he's going to increase in that area um, for sure. So if you're looking at, the, like, you know, who could be the three-point shooter, probably is going to be Tobias for you. Um, on yeah, that Tobi- Tobias would probably take and make the most on that team. Exactly, exactly. Awesome, um, man. This, this has been a good time. Anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I think uh, last thing I want to mention is I think Lowry is going to go back to being a pretty good fantasy point guard without uh, Kawhi in town. Um, yeah, no, that's a good call. Yeah, in the 22 games without the claw last year, Lowry scored 40.88 DK points per game, which is a huge comparison, um, huge difference from his average for the season. It's seven points more. So I think he's definitely someone that you could get later in drafts. I don't think people are going to be thinking about Lowry anymore, especially with him coming up in age, but I think he'll still grind out pretty good numbers. No, I think you're going to be in drafts and be very happy to get Kyle Lowry, uh, you know, because there's not going to be many – starting point guards left and then Kyle Lowry is one of those guys where you're like man how is he still on the board yeah uh, that's gonna be nice for you he's, just, you not, he's of, just not a sexy name right what do you think of Van Vliet that's interesting too I mean he was always good in the games without Kawhi and he obviously had the storied uh, playoff run but yeah I, I could I could see that I've never even really thought about him this coming up here but yeah I, I, I feel like he'll start at the two uh, unless he's coming off the bench for Lowry but I feel like he'll start at the two um, for that team with Danny Green gone. Um, I mean, he, w- he would be the next man up to start, but who knows if Nick Nurse does it. Right. He, yeah. might like to, he might like to keep him in the second unit, but that doesn't mean he's not relevant fantasy-wise. Definitely. No, I agree, especially in DFS. No, he's, still yeah. definitely, he's still a name in DFS for sure. Oh, yeah. I'll be all over that. Most definitely. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, this has been awesome for our first episode. We covered the Eastern Conference, new faces and new places. Next week for you, we're going to get to the Western Conference. We're going to talk some Lakers. We're going to talk some Houston. So on behalf of Al Hunter, this has been the Pick and Roll Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take it easy.